Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Nerdwide Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Chris Rivers. Now, Chris, it's been a it's been a week here in Nashville. And of course, uh, central United States, all these storms and tornadoes and all that kind of stuff. But I want to know, and opening week of baseball. Okay, we can, can't tune that out. But Chris, how's your week been? How's uh, How are the Braves doing? They're doing uh, better than your camera. They're they're a little yeah. bit more in focus. Hey, Devon Tandre there. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, they're actually they're they're doing all right. Um, they've had some injuries already, so they'll have oh. to overcome that. But they're in a division where I think they could do it. When did Swansby get traded? Or Dansby uh, Swanson? Swansby, sorry. <laughs> uh, he didn't. He he hit free agency and they oh. just let him go elsewhere. He's now a Chicago Cubs. Yeah, He's saw in that. your division. It's hard to hard to root uh, against him. Listen, yeah. the Pirates are one and two, as you can imagine. We're playing the Reds. Um, won the first game, one opening day, really exciting. I was like, okay, maybe we've got some hope here. And then the second game lost six yeah. to two. So all right, we're the same team, and lost again today. So hey, you know, whatever. I don't. I haven't looked at their roster, but I mean, I'm assuming that. A lot of your top talent still at AAA right now. And we got McCutcheon back. Um, he's with us but now. Like Henry Davis and um, some of the uh, some of the other talent that they have is probably still not up with the big club. Yeah. So you know, it's just it's on the way. Yeah, it's a rebuilding year for the past eight nine years, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> really. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's just, just what I tell myself at night. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Nerdwide Podcast, episode 108. If you are new here from our Nerdwide React side of things, with this is the Nerdwide Podcast. We review, recap a lot of these nerdy shows that we like to talk about, including um, Titans, Doom Patrol, Before They Leave, Forever, uh, Superman and Lois. We're still doing Gotham Knights. Um... All your MCU shows that pop up come out, Secret Invasion. We like to review and talk about those, including the movie side of things. And, of course, if we have some fun video games we talk about, we will talk about those as well. But quick housekeeping before we get into that. Don't forget to subscribe to either our YouTube or podcasting service of your choice. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a thumbs up on YouTube or give us a good rating on whatever podcasting app you use. If you don't enjoy what you see or hear, make sure you leave us a comment down below. We can't fix anything if we don't know if it's broken. Or if you have any fun suggestions, ideas that would make this show better, also let us know down there as well. If you want to do more, you can always go to patreon.com slash nerdwide. Three different tiers for three different monetary values. A whole bunch of goodies there. Of course, they increase in value as you go up in those tiers. Um, if you do that, do that route. Thank you so much, and we appreciate it. And we will mention you on the show. But Chris, mm-hmm. I've watched some fun things this week that I can't have wait you? to talk about. But what have you been watching? You know, most of my extra time right now is still going into uh, the gaming mm. portion of my of my schedule. So I don't have any extra TV shows or movies this week. The exact opposite for me. I have yeah. been uh, a lot of stuff at work I've watched, you know, because I keep things on the background. Uh, the first one, uh, of course, I am in season, halfway through season 11 of Big Bang Theory. It kind of paused it a little bit, just trying to... Go slow. These past two seasons, like I think I've heard my father said that season 11 or 12, not the best. They kind of just a little off, he said. And so I was like, yeah, and I see it now as I'm watching it. I still really enjoy it, still laugh a lot. 
But I watched a Netflix show called The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself uh, based on a graphic novel or a book, sorry. And it's got J.E. Cargo, who plays our new Robin in Titans. And it's pretty good. It's decent. It's a little cultishy thing, but it's, uh, I think it was one of those season one and dones, and Netflix quickly canceled it like a week after it came out. So if you do that a lot. Yeah. Eh, so I was like, that's why I didn't want to watch it in the first place. But I was like, yeah, I kind of want to watch something like those little culty shows. And that's just what I went to. But another show I watched that, mm-hmm. per your suggestion, Quantum mm-hmm. Leap. And let me tell you, those scientists are hot, and I don't believe that. I don't believe any, every single one of them. And I was like, ah, don't get this, because you know, you're all supposed to be super smart, but you are super hot. But I'm on, I think I'm halfway through season four, almost, not season, episode four, almost done with it. It's the one with um, uh, Justin Hartley in it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really enjoying it, though, because I'm curious, because they have the whole like B-plot story of, why did Ben go into the, the start leaping and things like that? Why is he working with, uh, oh, I forgot her name. Cause she's not really in it though. Janice. No. Um, uh, yeah, I know who Al's yeah. daughter. Yes. The original. Um, yeah. so it's kind of fun. I'm trying to figure out cause he's doing that whole thing where he's launching himself through time to get to a deep point. It's just really cool. Like I, I've, I really enjoyed the boxing episode that we had so far. Um, but it's, it's like I'm, I'm really excited to get more into it. I didn't realize I'm like 18 episodes down, though. So, but I'm going to get there. Justin Hartley, which was that the bank robbery episode? He is a, a bounty hunter. Different. Bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ben's playing bank a girl for the first time. The, bank robbery was the first episode, yes. I think. That yeah. was put in. That was, that was a fun way to, to start it all. I'm really excited. I, I don't know. I just enjoy these kind of um, CBS drama shows. And you can tell you're going to go on for a while. So, Yeah. The lead actress, uh, I'm forgetting her name, but she actually, when I first started watching the show, I was looking up the different actors, right? Mm-hmm. She's actually, Her character's former military, and so was she. After oh. she got out of the military, she went into acting. See, that's weird. And not a lot of people do that. I know Gal Gadot has done that. But it's like, it's yeah. going to the military and say, ah, I'm going to go be an actor now. It's kind of... Yeah. <laughs> different you know it's not normal there's there's probably quite a few of them that go into stunt work i would imagine especially if what they do point. is really physical and right she does a good like i really oh the space uh station episode which is just the second oh, yeah. one where he was on atlantis yeah. and that was very very cool very fun i'm curious to see where we go from here but i mean like i said I'm like 18 episodes down so yeah. we'll see what happens it's just something fun and something i like to have on um while I'm doing busy work, kind of stuff like that. So, But, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about a show that's been really, really good. And episode three of this one was no exception. Superman and Lois, season three, episode three, titled In Cold Blood, directed by Gregory Smith. Going to nerdsandbeyond.com for this one again by Haley as well. Clark keeps waking up in the middle of the night after experiencing the same nightmare over and over Lois is calling for him, and he's on the other side of Metropolis. The city's caving in. The Daily Planet is about to crumble. The globe breaks off and starts to fall straight down towards her. The first time, it catches her, and it gets out of harm's way. The second time, he is not so lucky. Which, of course, this is from the trailer of... Uh, which I'm crazy... It, it blows my mind that so much of the trailer is these first three episodes already. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're really going into this. So, and not knowing what's going to happen. And there's one scene in this episode... 
that's truly phenomenal. And I retweeted it today on Twitter. So it just defines the show. Um, after John takes Candace home one night, her dad interrogates him about his truck. The next day when they're at school, John finds out his truck is missing. He pulls Candace aside to ask her if it could be her dad. She gets defensive and storms off. Natalie, John, and Jordan locate the truck inside a repair shop of sorts. They devise a plan that has Natalie using a smoke bomb to conceal their identities while John and Jordan take out all the men to get to the truck. John drives it out of the building with Jordan and Natalie in tow. That night, Candace comes over with the missing watch that belonged to Natalie. She found it in her dad's things and saw his name engraved on the back. She apologizes for how she reacted, but that's her dad. So, of course, she would have stuck up for him. And that's the scene I was talking about. Was that, I don't like, as soon as that smoke bomb went off, that was one of the coolest scenes I think I've ever yeah. seen on this show. And, like, it's just, it's like one for one, like, over uh, John's shoulder. And then you see bad guys coming in through the smoke, and one by one, uh, Natalie or uh, Jordan takes them, like picks them off, and it's right. really really cool. And I've watched, I reversed it and watched it again, and of course they tweeted it out because obviously they're proud of it as well. And it's just wow, just what very very cool cinematography there. And poor Candace, look, you, I, I get not wanting to believe that your dad did this, but you also know who your dad is. Correct. And it's not like she couldn't hear what he was saying to John. I mean, she just right. walked into the, their house and, oh, that's a nice truck you got there. How much that cost? Because like, I didn't pay for it. Oh. Mm. And I was like, hmm, you know, that's yeah. a little, little too many questions there, you know. So, Especially when uh, it's clear he doesn't like him. Correct. And, well, I mean, he, yeah. he was, she was also dealing drugs for him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, come on. So. Uh, obviously he was the one who did steal a truck, didn't get caught. The whole, that was the whole point. They didn't want to put her dad in jail and things like that. So, eh, I get it, but come on. I would have put her dad in jail. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> same way. Lois's chemo treatments are scheduled, and she's set to get her first one when a break in the Bruno Mannheim case sends her to the Danner Medical Facilities with Chrissy. The first is wiped empty, um, save for a few drops of blood on a curtain, which Lois tests the forensic kit for Sam. Clark is furious Lois missed her appointment and texts Chrissy to ask her if she knows where Lois is. Lois ends up texting him back and rescheduling her appointment. She, too, got wrapped up in the case. On the rescheduled day, Clark goes with her this time. While waiting at the cancer center, he's alerted of a mudslide in Nepal and debates on going. Lois can see something is wrong and asks him what it is. He tries to brush it off and eventually tells her, and she sends him off to go to handle it. She'll be fine on her own. A spoiler alert, she is not. Uh, with Clark gone, Lois is left alone to sit in her thoughts. Chrissy texts her, wishing her luck at her appointment, and Lois uses it as an opportunity to ask her if she has heard anything about the other locations. Chrissy lies and tells her no, so Lois heads to herself once again, skipping her appointment. Finally, after some scolding from just about everyone, Lois gets to get treated. She knows she's sick, but doesn't want to make it her entire identity. On the day of her treatment, John, John Henry, Natalie, John, and Jordan present her with a watch that belonged to Natalie's mom. Lois gets choked up and thanks him before heading to the truck with Clark. I want to, I don't think it's in this uh, article at all. No, but there was a whole debate of giving this watch to um, Lois from, because Natalie made it for her mom, which was Lois on her, on her earth. Um, and John Henry obviously is, is upset. And I get that because, you know, she made that for her, but Natalie's like, well, now I'm going to give this to her because she is going through this cancer in this hard time and I want to know that we've got her back we're there for uh, which was a very touching scene by the way when her and Clark walk around the veranda there and everybody's there in a line like hey we're here for you and whatever you need we're here a really 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 well done um, I really like how they're they're tackling this cancer aspect of um, of the show at first I thought it was going to be like one of these little 
um, gimmicky, you know, oh, Lois has got cancer kind of things. But they were doing a really, really good job with the writing for this character. And I, just, I enjoy it, so. Yeah, it's frustrating to watch, though, right? Because it's like, just start the treatments yes. already. You know, you got to. Yeah, and it's. Yeah, coming from a nurse, I'm like, yeah, you know, yes. But I don't know if I would, if I was in her shoes, and especially if, I I know I'd be frustrated and angry how she is, because she's like, I don't want anybody to think of me differently. I don't want people doting on me like you guys are doing. I'm the same person. I'm not sick yet. Treat me normal. And which she should have said that before all that kind of happened, because that's, yeah. that's going to happen. Um, but she, I don't know if I would have done anything different. Like if, you know, Jamie was with him at the cancer center and left and cause you could tell like they, they're portraying her anxiety really well with the, the ticking of the clock, um, people clicking pins and stuff like that. I would have done the same thing. Like it's a very anxiety ridden thing and she doesn't have Clark there with her. I think if Clark stayed, she would have gone through with the appointment, but for the show's sake, she didn't stay for it. So, yeah. But to be fair, Superman, there's always an emergency. Come on, man. Right. So, <laughs> um, Bruno is very good at hiding his tracks and the people that are in his circle. Through uh, through Lois and Chrissy's discovery about Danner Medical, they find out a doctor Lois suspected of working for him in Intergang, Alistair Cook, Hook, as well as James Stefano, a tech genius turned elite killer that is Bruno's right-hand man. When they go inside the second Danner Medical building that Chrissy followed a group of men to, they end up getting trapped inside a freezer full of blood. Lois tries to call for Superman, but the room is insulated, which we know from uh, Smallville. It's probably lead, and you can't really, no signals or anything to get out through there. Eventually, the men make their way to that back room, and Lois surrenders herself as they are about to shoot her. Chrissy pops out and presses the button to call Superman as Lois screams for him to come. It catches the men off guard momentarily and gives them enough time to get to safety once he's there. However, they use a kryptonite weapon that is weakening Superman beyond belief. John Henry also gets the scene just in time to save him. Unfortunately, they will not get any intel from the building as the guy presses a button that sets the whole place on fire in an explosion. Have you noticed like a change in CGI this season? Like, yeah, a little bit. To me, it is almost leagues better than what it has been. I don't know again if it is because of the DC Studios production with it or what, but like even Natalie's suit looked really well done. Uh, John Henry's suit does not look like it's made all styrofoam anymore to me. And I just, I, I'm really enjoying everything about this show so far. It's, it's starting to become one of my favorite seasons of it. I wonder if they were able to move over uh, some things from what had been budgeted for other shows mm. because maybe some of the newer stuff doesn't require as much of that so they've shifted some funds over to let them have right better cgi on this show so, man, and maybe maybe they've already decided hey this is it right and and let's go out with it being the best it can be yeah we're putting everything towards the the budget of the movie the show and we're going out on top and make them regret canceling us <laughs> After Kyle pays a visit to Lana's office to ask her about her new tech installed by John Henry, Lana gets angry with him and tells him it's none of his business who installed it for her before sending him on his merry way. When she gets home, she immediately confronts Sarah and asks her if she told her dad about John Henry and her. Sarah tells her no and asks if they need a list of things she can and can't say to her dad. They get into it a bit of a heated argument where Sarah calls her mom selfish and blurts that out, probably why Kyle cheated on her. Lana smacks Sarah across the face, hey. leaving them both in shock and Sarah goes to her room. I don't like this whole, that trope. Like, 
I'm not, I don't mean, I'm not for beating your children by any means. Let's put that out there. But a lot of these shows, these teenagers will get heated with their parents and they get smacked by the parents. And then it's, oh, oh, why'd you hit me? Um, little, what was me kind of thing. But probably because you said something completely disrespectful. Correct. Like, that was very moment. disrespectful. Oh. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, and then Lana goes, like, oh, uh, why did I do that? I'm like, okay. Uh, well, but let's go back to Kyle for a minute because his his reasoning is based out of jealousy. Right. Right. But to some degree, for her to act like, you don't need to know anything that I'm doing. Right. Well, te- technically, both of my daughters still live under your roof. And, and I, yeah, yeah, and you're getting security things installed. And yeah, it, it's, it's a whole slew of things there. He has a right to know something about who she's bringing around the kids even if nothing's happening right now right and and that's something else too is they don't know well uh kyle doesn't know about john henry and that he's from another earth well he didn't even know from another earth or that whole little aspect of it i'm like yeah uh, when when superman was involved and this whole town you think he would know that too um so it's I don't know. You could tell Alana's under a lot of stress with this job. And right. frankly, so they almost did get killed last episode. So, um, yeah, but that seems to be happening a lot. You'd think they'd be getting used to it by now. Right. It's Smallville. I mean, there's like 50 people there. <laughs> uh, Lana tries to apologize for the door, but Sarah's already snuck out and left, made her way to the diner. Kyle's with Chrissy, and they were just about to leave and go back to her place when he and Sarah spot each other. He promises they'll do it another time and pull Sarah in for a hug while she sobs. Listen, no, Kyle, like, that's what Jamie was saying. She said, you mean to tell me the the hottest bachelor of this town? She says, oh, she, she's out of the show. I said, mm, let's put a pause there, Tyler Hecklin. She goes, I don't know about that. I was, okay, anyways. Uh, she says, is meeting up, is trying to get with her. I was like, I don't see it uh, at all. <laughs> so, you yeah, know. It's, it's kind of an odd, I think it's a pairing more out of, availability mm-hmm. if, if you will more of convenience than the fact that because he hasn't he hasn't had to go searching yet no it's kind of happened yeah so it's like oh okay well this is plus because he is jealous of what he thinks might be happening between john henry and lana this is kind of like okay well if she can be with somebody else as quickly so can i you right. know it's yeah, it's that high school stuff. Oh. Um, a lot of people never leave behind. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, Sam ran the blood sample that Lois handed over, and the results came back that it is Clark's blood. So is all the blood they uncovered in the warehouse somehow belonged to him? Since Henry isn't responding well, they're going to find someone else that can be pushed further. Oh, man, I am... Like, we still have any answers. We were three episodes in, and we're just getting more and more questions. But somehow they've got Clark's blood and they're pumping people full of it. So the only time we know of that they could have gotten Clark's blood was last season? Right. So how much did they take? And They have to be like doing some sort of gene therapy because they've got a lot of blood and Clark uh-huh. shouldn't have that much blood. No. So, so they... Unless it's Tal Rose and somehow... Yep. They're draining it at the oh. DOD or something, and I Maybe. don't know. 
but it kind of be different than his blood. I don't know gene therapies and all. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if we'll find out it it initially was DOD related, and Lois's dad knows, mm-hmm. and and it's another secret he kept, and that'll be like a huge. He's got to quit doing that. Like yeah. he, he, you would think by season three now he would know, but um. But man, again, another like really good episode, and I cannot reiterate enough. Go watch that scene again, of um, John, Natalie, and Jordan just doing kick-ass things in that warehouse. Very, very well done, and I can't wait to. I want to know more about that. If we get a chance to interview them one day, I want to know about and that. More, more impressive for Jonathan because he doesn't have any abilities. Right, right? he didn't and, have a suit. So. He did punch a guy though at the end. Yeah. And right before he got in the truck, he punched that guy. So not completely defenseless. And again, still loving this actor. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, our next show is Gotham Knights episode three, titled "Under Pressure," directed by Lauren Petsky, which she hasn't done a whole bunch. Uh, um, actually, she's she's an actress turned director. So when I looked into her. Uh, going back to nerdsandbeyond.com, and this is by Emmy. We're going to, I guess they rotate people for this one. We open up the episode by watching the mutant gang loading stuff into a car. Carrie, like Robin, fi- fights the leader when he's left alone. He grabs one end of her metal hook. She puts the other end in a fuse box to electrocute him. It stuns him. He gets arrested. She runs away before the police get there. Very, very Batman Robin-like. And yeah. figuring out, she goes, oh, I can't beat this guy. And... Using brains instead of brawn. You know, very well done how they portrayed that. She's eager to tell Turner, Colin, Dewella, and Harper about this. This one was personal for Carrie. He's the reason she met Batman in the first place. She tells the story, and Dewella says she looks forward to reading all about it in the journal, but Turner won't give it up. Turner says the most important pages in the journal are the ones that were ripped out. Carrie, who ripped them out in the first place, says she has to test to study for, which is totally inconspicuous. <laughs> Agreed. Which we don't, what do you think that is? Like, it has to be something to do with his dad. Because it says um, he can't ever know or something like that. It says what will happen when Turner finds out. And I'm like, finds out what? Who his dad is, maybe? Real parents are? Yeah, it's got to be the real parents, right? And But who? Oh, here's the question. Based on something else we find out in the episode. What if... He's the love child of Harvey Dent and Brody's mom. Mm. Mm-hmm. Something and that would explain why uh, Bruce always kept him close as a good friend, too. Uh-huh. So. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. There's, yeah, there's going to be a whole lot here. Uh, it's it's definitely going to be tied into the universe somehow. It's it's going to be hard to figure out because they just they've just made some of this up. Right. So we don't really know how this character's anchored in. Oh, maybe a Rachel Ghoul kid or something like that. Or Talia Al Ghoul's kid. I don't know. Um, let's see. Vernon Wagner, the mutant leader, is safely behind bars. Harvey Dent watches the press conference from the sidelines. GCPD takes full credit for taking down the leader of the mutant gang. Afterwards, he confronts the mayor about Brody March's uh, paid release from jail. The mayor says no money was stolen. And Harvey points out that the money went to the mayor's re-election campaign. Campaign. The mayor makes a jab at the idea of Harvey possibly running for mayor, then says he'll see him at the Founders Gala. 
The Fred, the Freed Brody, man, my, I'm just stumbling over these words right now. The Freed yeah. Brody March approaches Steph to invite her to the Founders Gala. She says yes, and Turner is not happy about it. When digging into history, Turner learned that his great great grandfather was killed by the Court of Owls. Apparently, witnesses say he was last heard screaming, The Owls are in my house. They decide to look into this murder to find out more about the Court of Owls. However, they can't get the files because they're in GCPD basement. Colin says they can steal it, then looks at DeWill and Harper with a look of active mischief. They look thrilled, uh, sarcastically speaking. A GCPD airship gets shot down by the mutant gang. And why are we still using blimps? It's, I know it's a Gotham thing, but why? <laughs> it just makes... Anyways. Uh, the press says it's a wave of violence against those responsible for the arrest of the leader. Duella points out that Carrie took down the leader. GCPD takes the credit, and the mutant gang takes out everyone but her. She isn't sure if Batman may be proud of Carrie, but Duella sure is. Oh, I love Duella. She's one of those characters yeah. that's really grown on me, and she's just like that chaotic uh, character, which is so good. Uh, Robin insists on going to clean up the mess. Turner wants to go with her, but Robin says no. Bruce Wayne did not want Tucker to be roped into this life. All right, we're going to have to get past that. Like, he's one of the main characters of the show. He's going to be into that lifestyle. So it doesn't matter. You know, he's dead. So let's let's get over this trope. Yeah. Colin will dress up as a cop with an impressive stash to get the files from GCPD. Which is true. But, but Harper says it's dangerous. Duella agrees, but insists Colin can handle it. Harper is so busy trying to protect her brother, she doesn't realize he doesn't need it anymore. So maybe she needs to recognize he's a total badass, and Duella said that with an ulterior motive. The Felder's Gala is crawling with paparazzi and police. Steph meets Brody and his parents, Mr. and Mrs. March, which Mr. March is a jackass. Like, come yeah. on, man. Robin drops in to where the mutant gang is. She gets caught by a gang member, but Turner follows her, hits the guy, and knocks him out. Robin tells him she had it handled, and now she can't question him. Robin asks how he found this warehouse out of the mini at Gotham. Apparently, his dad used to make a game out teaching him situational awareness, which every parent should be teaching their kids. Yeah. In the warehouse, they find empty containers of chemicals. They're planning something big, and whatever it is, they've already made it. At the gala, Harvey greets Steph. Her immediate reaction is that she needs a lawyer if she's going to be talking to him. Then he greets Lincoln March, who introduces Harvey to Mrs. March. Lincoln says Harvey must be running for mayor, and Harvey tells him that he's focusing on the job he's elected to do. Lincoln says he needs to be a better liar if he's going to be a politician. Mrs. March says he's a good liar. She almost believed when he told her husband that they'd never met. It is definitely getting hot in here. <laughs> Thanks, Emmy. <laughs> At the police station, Colin dressed as a cop, stash included, goes to the front desk and asks for records. He has fake file transfer request forms. The, the cop at the desk is short with him and sends him down to the hall to the records office. He tells Colin that next time he should bring coffee when he needs something and it goes a long way. The cop also says he'll remember him. I liked this scene because there's a little bit of world building inside of the world we're doing. It's like, hey, you know, this is Gotham PD. If you, you know, if you're going to do it properly, bring us coffee. That, this is how this works. So, or to uh, put it a, another way, bring us a bribe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the small things like that. I just kind of enjoyed that. Harper sees that the chemicals are. Uh, see, Harper sees what the chemicals are and realizes that the mutant gang is making a poison gas bomb. Duella puts together their bomb in the Felder's Gala, and Turner is worried about Stephanie. At the gala, Brody brings Stephanie a drink. They commiserate over Brody's parents. Then Turner calls her and tells her to get out of there. That's when the first grenade goes off in the front of the building, which looked really good, by the way. The mutant gang has taken everyone hostage in a fun game called What Does This Button Do? If everyone wants to get out of there alive, they have to release Vernon Wagner by 10 p.m. tonight. Carrie and Turner decide to go there. Harper should go because she knows how to disable a bomb. However, they have the instructions for the bomb, but the bomb squad doesn't. Duella will guide them through the Gala location, but only so she can punch a few, bu punch a bunch of mutants. 
Meanwhile, Colin is led by the other police officer who are dealing with a hostage situation. Steph get, lets Turner carry Dwella and Harper in. Dwella beats up, the, beats up the mutant at the door who's guarding the bomb. Apparently, they have to disable the bomb exactly where it is, and if it's moved, it will go off. The mayor tries to give the mutant gang what they want, and Harvey tries to reason with him. Does he not realize what happened if they listen to their demands? It shows that not only do they negotiate with terrorists, but they give terrorists everything they want. The mayor's response is a bunch of cowardly nonsense. I agree. Apparently, there's no way to turn off the bomb easily, and it can only be turned. Uh, the bomb was set to go off no matter what. The mutants brought gas masks so they would be safe, but they're planning to gas everyone regardless of what happens. So if they need to buy time to fully disarm the bomb, the only person who would listen to them is Harvey, and Turner has to make him believe what's going on. Which is, this is their first meeting since the first episode. Um, And Harvey's like, you know, I I know he wouldn't kill him, but something's fishy here, and he's trying to figure out all the truth, which I'm like, again, you are the DA, not a detective, so I don't really understand this relationship. So, Yeah, it's... uh... You know, the the mayor, given uh, given the mutants what they want, I could see someone thinking that way, thinking, well, we've got the building surrounded, so, yeah, he might be free, but then we're going to get all his guys. Right. But he's just going to recruit more people. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he didn't have much of a backbone. No. And so. I feel like it's been that way for probably a good little bit. Because we yeah. find out he is a part of another organization. So, yeah, we'll get there. Um, Turner dresses like one of the mutants to sneak in and get Harvey out so they can talk. He tells him what's going on. Harvey wants to believe him and help him, but he shows up dressed like one of the mutant game members and he's a fugitive. He doesn't have time to explain, but the Court of Owls killed his dad. Now they're trying to kill him and he can't trust anyone. Harvey asks Turner why he trusts him and Turner says, because my dad did. I like that. That was a nice little uh, why should I trust you kind of thing. I like that kind of stuff. Harvey tells the mayor to call off the mutant leader's release plans, but they're going to gas everyone anyway. The idiot mayor doesn't listen. Once the mutant leader is, is released, the mutant gang members prepare to release the bomb, but Harvey tackles the guy with a button. Mutant gang members aim to shoot at Harvey, and Carrie stops them, which a very Batman-like to get pulled by the, the bat, what do you call it, battering thing, get grapple. pulled out. It was really cool. Like bat grapple, yeah. yeah. Um, Harper says she's going to diffuse the pressure in the bomb, but before she can, Steph cuts the wire. It stops the bomb, and and the button doesn't work. Harvey punches the guy holding the button back in the face again. Um, Harper is furious that Steph cut the wire without knowing what would happen. Just because she has more money, it doesn't mean she's better than her. Steph argues that she never says it, but Harper says she did say that by cutting the wire. Uh, so she says, this isn't your daddy's game show. Now, why don't you go back to your cozy bedroom on the top floor of your mansion? It'll be easier to look down on me from there. I think. All right. Which, uh, I, there's some, a lot of friction there. And I like how they're yeah. writing these characters. So They didn't find a bomb in the place, and Harvey's confused, as he should be. Meanwhile, Dewella took all the shiny jewelry, the Court of Owl symbols on all the watches, and Harvey had a watch taken off. Regardless, there were Court of Owls there. Colin comes back with the files on the old Court of Owls murder. They're going to dig through them. Robin is so mad that they let the mutant gang leader go. Turner says he's jealous of Carrie. He sees why his dad wanted her and wishes he got to see that side of him. Carrie says that Turner got to see the side that she never did, the dad's side. She was so young when her dad died, she never got to experience that kind of stuff, so she's also jealous of him. She says, my dad didn't... Uh, let's see... Hmm... 
Uh, so Turner says, my dad didn't want me going down his path, and I may never know, I may never know why, but I do know that following in his footsteps makes me feel closer to him. He wouldn't want you to bear this weight of his legacy alone. Let me help you. Of course, talking to Carrie. Colin got Dewell the Joker card from Evidence Lockup to remind her how much she hates her dad. Harper and Colin have a heartfelt moment. Harper said, Colin, you are the bravest person I know. Colin says, I learned that from my pain in the ass sister. The mayor finds a quarter of Al's coin in his car, looks terrified. The bomb with the poison gas was put inside of it, and it goes off. The mayor dies poisoned. At the same time, Harvey Dent announces that he is running for mayor of Gotham. Well, I don't think Harvey's a part of the court of Owls, but I could see them doing that switcheroo and say, yeah. oh, you know, I trusted him, but that's the reason the trust got him killed kind of scenario. I could see... I could see them playing it where Harvey's brought into the court of Owls. Maybe the newer members, it's sold to them as just a social club. Right. Like a fraternity almost. And that's what he's rolling his eyes at. Like, the Court of Owls isn't doing anything. Right. You know, it's just a... It's just a social elite gang. Right. Right. But then he finds out that it's darker. Yeah. And he's on the inside, and he can do something to potentially break it up. I'm I'm still curious. Do we get a Two-Face this season? I don't know. I mean, God, it's so... I almost wish what they'd done with this show, the more we're getting into it, and I know they already kind of did it with Gotham, is give us the Bruce Wayne origin. Right. Maybe, maybe have his dad or his grandfather be the, you know, OG Batman. No one knew. Right. And then he kind of develops into into this whole, they, they wouldn't necessarily have been Batman, but he develops into this whole new knight, Gotham's knight. Right. right? Um. I think that would have been more fun than what they're doing. Yeah. Because now they've you've screwed up the timeline. You've got this created character that we don't know. That no one knows about. about. And it's just, like, what can you do with I, it? It's got to be someone's... I think it's going to be related to him with a sword. Who his parents are. Well, that could be Brody's. Right. That, that's true, right. too. So, I mean, it's... There's a whole lot to unpack in this show, and I'm curious to see if we even get it unpacked or if they just cancel it and we're done with it, you know? What if he ends up being um, uh, Stephanie's half-brother or something? That'd be real awkward. <laughs> you, you never know with these shows, though. So, no. uh, We are taking two weeks off, so here are the releases for the next two weeks. Of course, uh, with Easter coming up, we record on Sundays. Just to let everybody know we are off for two weeks. I meant to mention that in the housekeeping, but it's fine. Releases these two weeks. Wednesday, April 5th, the new season of Dave comes out on Fox. Wednesday, April 12th, Renovations, which is a Jeremy Renner show, comes out on Disney+. And then Thursday, April 13th, Titans Season 4 Part 2 on HBO Max, the finale episodes. <sighs> so, of course, when we do come back, we will have... Two episodes of Superman and Lois, two episodes of Gotham Knights, and one episode of Titans. So strap mm-hmm. in, grab your waters. It's going to be fun where we recap and talk about those shows because it's going to be a fun one. I'm really excited about it. But that is all for TV. Now nah, I want more TV. Talk about some more shows. I can. I can listen. I can talk for days <laughs> about TV shows. <laughs> um, 
What about you? Have have you watched anything else movie wise or just what we had? No, nothing movie wise. I wanted to get around and watch Murder Mystery One again. Um yeah. wasn't able to. Just been a a busy week. Especially this week coming up is gonna be even busier. So <sighs> it's always something though. So this just released, um and this is something we didn't talk about. How how spoiler heavy do we wanna be here? Um, I don't feel like I say let's go spoilers with it eh, you know it's fine by the time the episode goes up it'll have been out for about a week, week and a half yeah that's fine yeah okay. I'm down for yeah spoilers abound I've got, got flashing on the screen for audio watch video watchers so alright so um I'm going to read the synopsis here, and uh, we'll get into some things. Actually, first, let's do it this way. This will be a little bit a little bit better. So let's run down the cast real quick. Adam Sandler's back as Nick, of course, and Jennifer Aniston's back as Audrey. Um, that's a winning combo, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I They're love it every time. Every Mark Strong. Time. Yeah, Mark Strong is in this. Is This is the third movie they've made together, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mark Strong is in this as Miller. Melanie Laurent is in this as Claudette. Jodie Turner-Smith is the Countess. Uh, one of my favorites, I think you pronounce his last name, Connie. John Connie is back as the Colonel. Uh, he's lost a whole arm by this point. <laughs> it's so good. It's so it's so dumb. like I love that bit. It just kept going like from. It's one of those things I really enjoyed because it carried over from the first movie. Like, yeah, the first movie, yeah. he's lost his head. <laughs> they get on the island because oh, he lost a whole arm now. It's just the dumb bits. I love it. Yeah, Adil Akhtar <laughs> is back as the Maharaja, and his sister in this one, uh, Sarah, is played by Kuhu Verma. Danny Boone is back as the inspector, Inspector De La Croix. Uh, we got Enrique Arce as Francisco, who's interesting. Jillian Bell is in this near the end as Susan. Zuren Villanueva is Imani. She's the Countess's sidekick, so we'll kind of leave it at that. <laughs> but uh, I can't stand that character. I can't stand the Countess or Imani like, at all. Amani's laugh was just... Uh, they made fun of it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so here we go into the into the plot here. Uh, four years after their escapades in Monte Carlo, Nick and Audrey Spitz have quit their jobs to pursue a new career as private detectives, a pursuit which does not bode well with their marriage. Unexpectedly, they're invited by their friend Vikram the Maharaja uh, Govindan to attend his wedding on his private island, which the pair accept, believing their association with Vikram would lend their failing detective agency some professional credibility. There they meet Vic's French fiancée, Claudette Jobert, his flirtatious business partner, Francisco Perez, who takes an immediate liking to Audrey, his snarky snarky former fiancée, Countess Siku, and her lady-in-waiting, Amani, his reticent sister, Sarah, and their old friend, Colonel Ulenga, now without his left arm, as he saved Vic from an assassination attempt in Mumbai. At Vic and Claudette's Sanji, or I guess is how you pronounce it, Music Night, Audrey notices a cloaked figure trailing behind Vic's elephant. He subsequently proceeds to faint and fall off the elephant, only to be revealed that he isn't Vic, but his bodyguard, Lou, who's been fatally injured. 
Realizing it's a diversion, Nick searches for Vic, only to see him being abducted by a mysterious figure who escapes. Realizing they're once again ensnared in a murder, the couple determine that at least two people may have been involved, one to create the diversion and the other to kidnap Vic. Their suspicions subsequently fall upon Claudette, Francisco, Siku, Amani, and surprisingly, Ulenga. Their initial investigation prematurely concludes when both of them are knocked out from being roofied. The next morning, the group are joined by a team of professional detectives led by former MI6 hostage negotiator Connor Miller, who initially maintains a poor view of the couple's detective abilities. Soon enough, the kidnapper calls, ordering Nick to pay a ransom of $70 million at the Arc de Triomphe in Paris in exchange for Vic. Traveling to Paris, Miller drops them at the exchange point. Once again, the kidnappers call the couple, directing them to a nearby van where they're, where they're waiting. In the van, Nick refuses to continue, leading the couple into a fight with the kidnappers, which ends with the latter group dead, and the former group crashing the van into Cafe Procope. I laughed. So, Listen, the whole time they were in the van, I was laughing. But was so the funny. pole hit is what killed me and knocked me over. It's the sound of it. She said, uh, she said, Paul, he said, what'd you say? <laughs> just the body. Oh, it's so good. Oh, the hatchet in the back of the head. Just yeah. a very, very well choreographed scene. And very, I just, oh God, it killed me. <laughs> Which I, I would think would be tough in a scene like that because it's close quarters. Right. There's not a lot of room to maneuver. Um, subsequently, the couple discover they're being framed for the abduction with footage of Nick running out of the tent, supposedly brandishing a knife. Miller arrives and clarifies the footage as a deep fake. After taking the briefcase of money and asking them to meet him at the La Madeleine, he's killed when the car he is in explodes. A mysterious figure walks up to the car and grabs the case, only to be robbed of the case when another figure hits him with a truck. See? <laughs> just didn't, that scene didn't stop. No. It was very funny, though. Yeah. Seeking the assistance of Inspector Laurent de la Croix, the couple trace the truck to a countryside chateau where they are ambushed by Siku and Amani, who clarify they aren't the kidnappers and are only after the money. Siku shoots Amani and attempts to kill the couple, but is herself shot dead by a dying Amani. Escaping the Inferno, the duo takes Siku's Lamborghini and requests De La Croix to bring Vikram to the Le Jules Verne restaurant at the Eiffel Tower. At the rendezvous, Vic surprisingly appears, having been strapped to a bomb vest. Despite the bomb's countdown, Nick is calm, reasoning the killer would never jeopardize the ransom. It's revealed Miller was behind the kidnapping plot all along, and after a tense struggle at the top of the Eiffel Tower, he's thrown to his death landing on the blades of his escape helicopter, causing it to crash the first. <laughs> with the threat over, the couple returned to the restaurant. During a conversation with the now-relieved group, Audrey mistakes Saturday's, Saturday's now darkened hand for blood, which she attributes to herself having smeared her henna during the commotion. Audrey realizes Sarah wasn't present when Vic's elephant was ushered into the reception ceremony, recalling the cloaked figure which killed Lou had a wet henna stain on its clothes. Nick deduces noun as the second... Huh? Nick deduces noun as the second conspirator is what they have written, but that's not... Reasoning her motive was love. Exposed, noun attempts to shoot Vic, but Ulanga shields him, resulting in his right arm being shot, causing Claudette to knock her out with the briefcase. With the commotion concluded, Vic and Claudette decide to elope, but not before giving Nick and Audrey $10 million as gratitude, which the couple accept. 
Now on a honeymoon in Greece, the couple are accosted at gunpoint by their seemingly European helicopter pilot who reveals himself as American. He steals the couple's newfound money before jumping out of the helicopter, leaving them scrambling for the controls. And that's where the movie ends. So I'm wondering if they're hoping to get another I hope film. so. I hope this gets enough views because I just... These movies are fun, and with sequels, you have to worry about you know can they have the same magic as the first one, and I think they did, and I feel like it with the same recurring characters, you know, like three or four of them, and I thought it was very well done. the The scene in their little uh, chateau hotel room, whatever you want to call it, where the murder just happened, there he keeps putting stuff in front of the door, and then someone knocks. He has to keep moving it. <laughs> he says, Can't quit "Okay, eating the cheese." Yeah, it's the small like, it's one of those Adam Sandler movies, but it's like the top of Adam Sandler movies. It's not like a Hubie Halloween. It's one of his really good ones, and it just I laughed a lot. Like it's just those stupid, dumb, cheesy jokes that I love. And it had me laughing the whole movie. Just the dumb things. They, he, he roofied it himself and his wife because he put in the Advil bottles, his Ambien, because she wouldn't let him have Ambien anymore because he went downstairs and the doorman caught him in his uh, wife's underwear. <laughs> yeah, peeing in the fountain. <laughs> it was just so dumb. And I love it. She goes, uh, it's my screensaver. And I'm like, okay, come on. <laughs> yeah, I I liked it. I, I think I gave this one... Th- I gave the first one four stars. I went back and looked at what I gave the first one. I gave it four. I gave this one three. Let me see. Um, okay. Because I didn't like it quite as much as the first one. I still really enjoyed it. Um, it was certainly um, an uptick over me time. Yes. Uh, the, again, does not take that much, though. So. They they do kind of... They have fun with the whodunit genre here. Mm-hmm. Um you know the knife's going to come back into play because when he puts it down at one point, they zoom in, in on it. it. A lot of the, a right. lot of things they did that way. Yeah. So. so it's like, okay, all right, sure, whatever. Um, I think one of the issues I had was it was the new members of the group mm-hmm. just didn't seem to mesh as well as the original. I agree with that. I don't know. I, I, I just... I think the Claudette, no. The Countess and Imani, no. Uh, Francisco, I feel like, did. Uh, he was just a nice little perverted soccer player. and I feel like he, he fit in well. And then yeah. they even bring in a new character right at the end, Susan, who's played by uh, Jillian Bell, which they're setting up heroin, Inspector Delacroix, yeah. or Crow, or however yeah. you pronounce his name. But... I thought that was very funny with the with the smoke signal they gave each other. It's so stupid. She said, "Oh, a vape in a time like this." I think that's kind of yeah, you don't want to do that, but it was just dumb. Oh man, uh, I did like when they uh, they called the inspector and they're like, "Hey, you're uh, we we couldn't get your car started, so you're just gonna have to take this Lamborghini that we that we are driving back right. in when we're done with it." He's like, "Okay, I'll take that." <laughs> It's it's that dumb humor. I, I love it. And, and Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston click and mesh so well. And yeah. like I really hope we get another one. But of course, Mark Strong. At first, I easily when he came out of the water, I was like, okay, all right, Mister Bad Guy from Shazam, all right. But he did a good job. I didn't suspect it was him. Did you ever suspect it was a sister? 
at all. Um, I mean, I thought she was a possibility just because she's a new character, right? And I couldn't see, I couldn't see it being the Colonel. No, right? Well, they they, they they even let you know when the Colonel, like right at the beginning of the movie, because the dude gets the dude gets killed. And he looks up to the Colonel. Hey, Mel's, was that you? He said no. <laughs> it's just so stupid. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like, okay. I just believed him, and sure enough, it wasn't him. But poor Colonel gets shot in the arm. Probably gonna lose another one. And... Well, and and Vic tells him, he says, it's bionic arm time. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm curious what they're gonna do with that. Because they said, because he said, because uh, you'd probably want the money, because you know you want a new arm and everything. I'm sure those are expensive. Because actually, not that bad. They said, uh, you know, like thirty thousand. He goes, oh, that's cheap. <laughs> it's just, I love those dumb one line jokes. Um, I do I wish we got part. more of the the Maharaja, Maharaja more a little bit. Uh, Maharaja. Maharaja, because he's the Adil Akhtar is, is very funny. Um, yeah. But you know, it was the bomb scene was great. I gave this one four stars. I give the original three and a half. Um, it might just be just because of my, I don't know. I, I laughed a lot during this one. And I know yeah. I did the first one too. It's just, you know, how things change um, over years. But I enjoyed this one. One thing I did like too about the colonels when we first meet him uh, and they realized that his, his whole arm's gone. He's like, well, it, at least, I think he says it was convenient because at least it was the one that I was missing a hand on. Right. <laughs> That's so dumb. It's like, okay. Took another bullet to the arm and sure enough, it takes one of this one too. Uh, but he said he's, uh, it was just so dumb because he, uh, he hired a new bodyguard, Mr. Lou. He said because uh, he's got two arms, the other guy can't do anything. It's like, okay. Oh, yeah, man. But he still kept him around. Which right. Um, I think I I would definitely recommend people check it out. Yes, it's good. It's a good movie. I did read, by the way, that uh, both both of them after this film had to get some treatment. Jennifer Aniston aggravated an old back injury. Ah. she said she was in a harness, so I'm assuming it was the Eiffel Tower scene. That that makes sense. Um. And uh, so she aggravated an old back injury, and I can't remember now what film she said she got it on. Uh, but then Adam Sandler was in a harness at one point. His might have been the Eiffel Tower scene. They may have had him harnessed up, but I was trying to look because I saw this before I watched the movie. Um, the only other spot I could think of is maybe when they went through the window at the chateau into mm. the canal. Yeah. And um, he said he was realizing his hip was in bad shape. He was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have to have to get that looked." So I think he's probably headed for hip replacement or something. Getting, getting a little old there. Yeah, he's stop doing these uh, these action movies. Let uh, other people do the stunts. Yeah, you're uh, not Tom Cruise. No, oh, God, that, that I don't know how that man still does what he does. Um, I'm looking at IMDb. They had the trivia. This is. It's Adam Sandler's first uh, Netflix sequel, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And then there's a con- continuity, a character error here. Uh, continuity. The, continuity. I mean, these, are, these words today are getting me. Uh, in the first movie, it's revealed that Audrey is lactose intolerant. Upon uh, arrival at their designated villa on the island, the first thing she goes for and eats is the cheese. I'm like, yeah. oh, 
There's also one, I think it might be in their trivia section on there too. Um, they say it's four years later, but in the first one they were celebrating their 15th anniversary, yep. and on this one it's the 16th. Right. She says they've been married 16 years. It's just dumb stuff like that. And then it says the plot holes, the briefcase would be too heavy to float in the water, which I agreed with. So yeah. survive explosions and all this other stuff, but floats in the water, that you know. Yeah. Good briefcase. <laughs> Worth its money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you came in at what, four? I came yep. in at three. Yes, cool. sir. But like I said, definitely an uptick over me time. So our movie review for the next episode that you will hear in two weeks is uh, Interceptor from Netflix. So. Hopefully it's still on action flick. It should still be. It's a Netflix movie. (laughs) I don't want to have to track that down if it's not. Right. Not a lot of movie news, but we do want to say um, there are Blue Beetles, Secret Invasion, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse trailers dropping this week. So make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel so you can see when our latest shorts for NerdWide Reacts drop which we're getting a lot of love on those things so yeah i need a i'm curious to see how it goes i just enjoy watching those numbers on those you people are liking them and hopefully you suck around for the episodes of the podcast if you're from nerdwood reacts so they're they're fun to re, they're fun to uh react to yeah it's fun to check them out they make it know. easy with these uh trailers especially the titans one we just did I'm trying to think. I think you've seen both of the ones that we've done before mm-hmm. we reacted. So some of these coming up, you won't have seen yeah. yet. I'm going to blind on these. So yeah. Especially uh, Blue Beetle, I'm going to go in blind on. Uh, actually, I think all of them I should be. Spider-Man depends on when it drops throughout the day. Um, but Blue Beetle and Secret Invasion, I'm not watching until we record our reacts. Because I don't want to. I want that for content. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. So, releases this week. Um, in cinemas, April 7th, we have the Super Mario Brothers movie. Really uh, excited which, about that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Black, who sounds great as yeah, Bowser. Phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to name everybody in it. Those are the two that jumped out to me. But, Charlie Day is uh, Luigi. Charlie Day. Ren and Renfield in cinemas April fourteenth. Nick the, Cage. Yeah, the new Nick Cage uh, Dracula movie. No, that's not right. Is it yeah. Dracula? Is it Dracula? Okay, nailed it. Yeah. Chris, what games have you been it. playing? How's your How's your MLB the show going? Uh, it's going good. Yeah the the Diamond Dynasty aspect is uh, is fun. But what I did la- I actually waited till last night. And uh, they have one of the main features in the game. It's new this year. It's a storyline. And it's for the Negro Leagues. Mm -hmm. So they took... um, The two I played through were Hilton Smith and Satchel Paige. And what they do is they have... I'm assuming that the the guy narrating it is uh, from the museum, possibly. That's pretty cool. I don't know. I haven't dug into who he is yet. But... They give you stories about them, and you, then you play moments based around those stories, 
of events that happen in their careers, and then at the end of each storyline, you get that player's card for Diamond Dynasty. Um, what's awesome about it are some of the stories that get told. For instance, there was a game, Satchel Page was with the uh, Kansas City Monarchs, and he was pitching against, I think they said it was a semi-pro team of white ball players. Hmm. Um, and I'm going to use the quote that they used in the game uh, when telling the story, but Page, I think he allowed a hit or a walk. I can't remember which. He, he allowed a base runner, and one of the guys in the in the white team's dugout uh, encouraged his... Uh, his teammates by calling Page an overrated darky. Mm. Mm. And pa Page had a nickname for his his uh, first baseman, Buck O'Neill. I haven't heard the story yet in the game. I'm sure they'll tell it. Where he, he always nicknamed Buck Nancy. So he looked at him in the middle of the game and said, Nancy, did you hear what he just said? Mm. Buck looked back at him and said, Yes, Satch, I heard him. He said, Nancy, bring him in. So Buck O'Neill waved to the outfielders like this to come in a couple steps. Satchel looked at him and said, no, Nancy, bring him all the way in. The entire team came around the mound and sat down around the mound while Page struck out the next three hitters on nine pitches. Oh, God. It's, it's stuff like that I absolutely love. Like, I... I... I want that's the one thing I would I do want to play with this game. I I started it. I think I only did the you know how they do the little tutorial um, mm -hmm. match. I did it, and I'm stuck back at the home screen now, and that's about all I had time to play for. Um, Bob Kendrick is the narrator of storyline, and he's the president of Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, which is located in Missouri. So he's uh, along with the museum. He partnered with Sony for the black players insertion into the game. So it's cool. Um, that is definitely one game mode I want to play. Um, I feel like it's it's a lot of I don't know technicality, but you could kind of do your own experience with it. Like you can go mm -hmm. as technical as you want to into pitching, hitting, throwing stuff like that, or you can just go as simple as just hey press yeah. this button, which is what I went with because I'm a simple man sometimes. Uh, so I played that for a little bit. Uh, I've been playing Vampire. I've been trying to hit up a little bit of my backlog. So Vampire is a is 2017 game. Uh, yeah. Which Jack Bosco did for uh, our for Dirt Wide a long time ago when it first came out. It's pretty it's spelled, okay. spelled V A M P Y. Yes, R E right. Yeah, because you're a doctor, you're a surgeon who is an alien vampire. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm enjoying. it I so started far. it, but I, I never finished it. Yeah, I, that's probably exactly where I'm going to be. I'm just killing time until the next game comes out. Honestly, I played Destiny, and I think that's it. And I just it's still nothing's holding me over right now, and it's just the, the it. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but so far that's what's going on. But as far as news, nothing crazy. Uh, the first one is the PS Plus April lineup is Meet Your Maker, which comes up PlayStation Five, PS Four, which I'm curious about because that one's getting a lot. That's a day and date as soon as it releases on Tuesday. It releases on that. Sackboy, A Big Adventure, and then Tales of Iron. Sackboy, I've been waiting to play. For, I've been waiting, actually been waiting for discount um, because it hasn't been discounted a lot. Maybe like 30 or 40 bucks. I'm like, yeah, I'll pay 20 bucks for it. But it's going to be free, so I don't have to pay anything. 
Um, Even better. Right. So I'm really excited to hold off on that one. And then uh, the other thing, not too big of news. Uh, E3 has officially been canceled for 2023. Um, I wanna, Guess who's not surprised? Uh, literally anybody. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, I want to see. I'm going to go to Polygon here because this was just Thursday when they announced this. Because Ubisoft backed out at the beginning of the week or the end of last week. So it's going to be like, well, who are they going to have and what's the point? Uh, E3 2023 has been canceled. Organizers at the Entertainment and Software Association announced on Thursday. Following the reported withdrawal of major publishers like Ubisoft, Sega, and Tencent, those companies joined console manufacturers Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony, who previously confirmed they would not be a part of E3. An event that promised to return the spectacle of gaming industry showed Los Angeles for the first time in four years. Quote, this was a difficult decision because of all the effort we and our partners put towards making this event happen. We had to do what's right for the industry and what's right for E3, said Kyle Marston Kish, Global VP of Gaming at Repop in a news release. He says, we appreciate and understand that interested companies wouldn't have playable demos ready and the resourcing challenges it made being at E3 this summer and obstacle they couldn't overcome. For those who did commit to E3 2023, we're sorry we can't put on a showcase you deserve and they've come to expect for Reed Pop's event experiences. Everybody, everyone in the industry is saying this is it. They're they're not coming back. Right. So, which there's, is what it is. Not, there's not a need for something no. like that anymore. Well, it's it's cheaper to do digital, and a lot of people's re- like Ubisoft. What they cited the reason was is they didn't have any demos or anything to show off that they were ready to show off yet. So they backed out because there's. They said they'll show off when they can, and it'll be at their own little press conference thing, which is what most companies have done since 2020 with the pandemic, which is fine. Um, Games Fest, Summer Games Fest with Jeff Keighley is a huge thing, and a lot of people are going to be at and building it all around. So I think E3 is officially done, which sucks because a lot of people are talking on, on Twitter and stuff like that, me included. This was a lot of our Christmas in June things because you found out what your favorite games are coming out for the next year or two years with these conferences and I will never ever forget watching E3 on the beach uh, my parents would go down to the beach and say, hey we're going to the beach I'm like oh you know I'm good uh, E3 is today and sitting in the condo at the beach watching it on a G4 TV on what was it, it was Spike TV with G4 and just nature of the business and how it evolves but sucks <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like now g4 is something i feel like there is a need for correct but it got taken away again so. it, it never got picked up for mainstream tv which just blows my mind because of what you see how many hours are poured into twitch and streaming services like that when perfect for tv but they just didn't have like they were not on cable like no one bought them to put them on cable and it sucks and they got shut down. So, yeah, but it is what it is. So, but ladies and gentlemen, uh, releases this week, Ghostwire Tokyo on the Xbox series, April 12th, which I will check out. That's a little creepy game. So <laughs> we will see how far you're into it. It didn't get a lot of good reception when it came out on PlayStation. So it is a game yeah. pass game. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so much again. We are off for two weeks to celebrate Easter, so make sure you are paying attention to that. We are having three new episodes of our Nerd Wide Reacts with um, Secret Invasion, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, 
and Blue Beetle, which I am partially probably the most excited for out of those three. Because, um, of course, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, we know is going to be a banger. Uh, Secret Invasion, you know, we don't expect from that. But Blue Beetle, don't have only seen, you know, shoots from the set. Haven't seen anything else, so I'm very curious about it. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to YouTube so you, so you can get those notifications up on it. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nerdwide Podcast. Don't forget to share on all your favorite social media platforms. And forget to rate and review this podcast on whatever podcasting service you do use. On social media, you can follow the Nerdwide account at nerd underscore wide. You can follow me personally at ty underscore Haynes. And you can follow Chris at mavtn7. On the Facebook side of things, they're searching Nerdwide Podcast, Nerdwide, or Nerdwide.com. We're the first thing that pop up on all three of those. Follow us there on those two social media platforms. That is where you get our latest news and what we are um, doing for the podcast. But ladies and gentlemen, as always, this has been this week's episode of the Nerdwide Podcast. And we cannot wait to see you in two weeks. Have a great Easter. And make sure you check out those Nerdwide reacts because we have a lot of fun doing those. Let's talk to you then. Later, guys.